0: There's plenty of live action during March on ATP Tennis Radio. Oh, it's unbelievable. Starting in the Californian desert, we'll bring you every day of the BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells. Unbelievable angle backhand from Dominic Teen. Just wow. Before moving to the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami for the Miami Open, presented by Itawoo.
1: What a shot. Inspiration from the American.
0: That's live coverage of the ATP Tour on ATP Tennis Radio. This is the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. podcast.
1: and welcome to another ATP Tennis Radio podcast from both Dubai and Acapulco as we inch ever closer to the first Masters 1000s of the year in Indian Wells and Miami. I'm Seb Lozier and this week we lift the lid on two of the game's most enigmatic characters, Italian Fabio Fanini and Brit Dan Evans. We hear from boy band member turned tennis star Andrei Rublev who has his sights set firmly on the world's top 10. There's all 6 foot 10 of John Isner and the other half of Serbia's all conquering ATP Cup singles lineup. Can you remember who that is? But we start in Dubai in the camp of world number 6 Stefanos Tsitsipas, the Nito ATP Finals champion who has already been in title-winning form this year, Marcus Buckland has been speaking with Apostolos Tsitsipas about his dual role as coach and
2: father. Maybe I can say that uh, I want just to be a good parent. <laughs> I think the most important thing is that uh, I built a good relationship with my son through the years, and uh, I knew it's going to be difficult to cooperate, like as a parent and as a coach, and uh, so. We'll keep going uh, you know having good relationship with your child is always important to proceed in life
0: is a week like this a particular challenge because of course he was so successful in Marseille he won yes. the title and, and now of course you've got to get straight back on the horse yes
2: it was uh, all, always you know like uh, the issue of adaptation is is really tough for the players especially moving from indoors to outdoors so he's Start rolling now and keep going, and uh, hopefully he's gonna he's gonna find better rhythm. And obviously
0: you know him very well. So do you know when to push him? Do you know when maybe to to give him a little bit of leeway?
2: Yes, I know very well, and uh, he's like part of me. Um, lately, doesn't accept it very very much because obviously he grew up. He's already an adult, and uh, and already he achieved so many things, and. Definitely, definitely, that's the success of a good teacher, of a good coach, of a good parent. When when, the, when your son, when your children, when your student doesn't need you anymore. So I'm trying now to, to, you know, like to involve as less as possible. Do you see the day coming when you might step back altogether and, and let somebody else take over? I don't know. This is his decision. There's nothing that I, like... Um, how to say I didn't occupy him you know it's his decision that if he believes that he needs something extra anyway our team is always like new people that coming more and more people like uh, now we we have like fitness coach, we have a physio with us we have a second assistant coach we have Patrick Muratoglu who is sometime joining us uh, when he doesn't have you know he's not busy with Serena Williams so we have a big team I don't think he needs at the moment someone Someone else or some more.
0: And watching you guys on the practice court, it's a real family affair. Your wife is here. It's not just Stefanos, of course. You've
2: got more than one child. No, no, I have four kids, uh, and the second one already chose to play tennis. Let's see how long he's gonna he gonna feel to to, to make the effort. Uh, he finished the university, no, finished the high school, and now he entered the university, but he decided to postpone his studies and decided to to. To play professional, he's playing already futures. He's around thousand ATP singles, and a little bit higher, I think, in doubles. Uh, yes, uh, it's a family business. It used to be family business. All our life used to be in tennis, and uh, so our kids grew up in tennis courts. Uh, so it's I think it's uh, blessed. We are blessed from the God that we're all together and uh, enjoying this beautiful
0: sport, and hopefully we're gonna stay like this. And you've mentioned, of course, he's had great success already. But do you set specific targets for Stefanos at the start of each year? What's the plan for 2020? Yes, uh, we always set targets
2: since he's 12 years old, as far as I remember. Uh, Yes, we did set the targets. We have a good plan for this year uh, that mainly to keep him healthy because we know now at this level it's always, uh, you know, tough matches. Everybody wants to play his best tennis against him and now the new generation is coming. It's going to be a very high competition. So I'm 100% sure that the other players also they do a good plan and uh, like us. And definitely we will try to choose the right tournaments uh, because there's a lot of specifications during the season. But unfortunately this year is maybe the toughest year because we have Olympic games and everything. So that's why for me the 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 the, the secret point behind it is that to be healthy. And if you're healthy, thing, think these guys, they, can, they know how to
0: set up goals. And one final question for all the tennis parents out there. Can you give us one bit of advice as to what they should be thinking about as they set their son or their daughter along the road, hopefully to the, the same sort of success as Stefanos?
2: I think they should love the kids and uh, when, when they give love to their kids, and love with a passion is not, is not a bad thing. I think the kids then they will start loving the sport. Love it doesn't mean that we have to go always through the success and through the titles, through the money. You know, these things are coming and going. Love supposed to be something a little bit different. Maybe a little bit like, more like I love you, I like, I like to be with you, I see you competing and
0: enjoying the sport. And maybe this is the secret behind it. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and ATPTour.com. It's also been an
1: incredible start to 2020 for Andrei Rublev, with titles in Doha and Adelaide, a good run at the Aussie Open, and also in Dubai. This time last year, the 22 year old Russian had fallen outside of the world's top 100, and Lee Goodall asked him if he was at all surprised by these results.
3: I was not thinking about it. I was, I was just trying to do my job, trying to, I tried to work hard every day. I was not expecting nothing. I was not trying to think, oh, I hope I will start the season good. Of course, I would like to start the season good. But I was not hoping. I was not expecting nothing. I was thinking, OK, I work hard, kind of like a machine. I work hard. I will try to do my best. If I lose first round, at least I know that I did my best and that's it. If if I do my best and I do third or fourth round, okay, perfect, then it's even better. So in the end I was kind of in this mood and I don't know, if I get a little bit lucky, I play kind of few good matches and somehow I win first Doha, then Adelaide, uh, When I, I remember when I play, I won Doha, uh, m- most of the, mem- I mean, most of the members of my team, they were, telling me to pull out maybe it's a better idea but then i said okay why not i'm 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 having by there in adelaide i'm gonna arrive there i will still have two days let's see how i feel if i will be completely dead if i feel that physically i'm weak i feel pain in uh, some i don't know areas of my body we, we have time to pull out but at least let's try we, we never know and in the end, we go there i was feeling okay i was feeling more or less fresh and uh, and i said okay let's try to play and I don't know I won the first round second and like this like this I started to play better and better and in the end I won Adelaide and I don't know I mean it's something unreal but of course it was amazing to start the season in this way but now the more I mean it's easy to how you say to play good and to be uh, to say nice things outside the court when you're doing every- when you when the the weeks are good, like when you play good, when you do good results, it's so it's so nice to be, it's so easy to, to how you say, it, to have good attitude, but let's see when I, will have, when I will have bad days, bad weeks, how I will face them. This is now the most important thing for me.
0: Give us an idea of, of what you did in the off-season, because anyone who looked at those results must have looked and, and thought, wow, this guy's been working hard in the off-season. Give us an idea of, of how that period was.
3: It was a little bit strange, because... During this preseason, I was thinking that I'm not working enough, I'm not working enough, I need to work harder, I need to work better. And every day it was like this, like, it was not enough, we need to do something more. I don't know, every day was like this, because I remember I was playing some sets with the guys, and I was winning uh, like 7-6, I don't know, was losing 7-6, and I was thinking, I need to work harder, I need to have better attitude, I need to play smarter. So in then was, you know, the mood was like never enough, never enough, never enough, but in the end, when I started the season, everything was good and now everything is good. So we'll see if I can keep improving, if I can keep this level. And uh, we'll see if the place where I am now, I deserve it or it's just for a while. We'll see.
0: Some people watching your tennis in the first few weeks have noticed an improvement with the serving. Is that, is that an area that, that you're particularly pleased with so far?
3: Yeah, for sure, because I remember... Um, even half year ago, my surf wasn't that hard. Especially, I was doing a lot of double faults, and it was kind of my weakness. Uh, and that was during all this time. Of course, that was one of the main main thing because I know even by myself. Because some players, they have. Maybe the first surf more or less like me, but because they have second surf really consistent, really hard, it's so hard to play against them. It's like, uh, it's so, even if they don't put the first surf, it's still so tough to break them because the second surf is so good. And uh, that was, of course, one of the main things to improve. And I'm still only a little bit that I improve. I can improve much more and more my second surf and even my first surf. And uh, the same with the game, with the baseline. Uh, there is still some more things to improve, even with the return. And this, I think, this is really good. It means that I still have uh, space, room to improve. That I want, uh, I want to arrive to this limit, and we'll see where it's gonna bring me. And there is still, like I said many times before, mental part that I'm. I think out of top 20 I'm one of the weakest, so we'll see. I'm looking positive forward and we'll see what's going to happen. It
0: sounds like you very much focus on the game, improving the game and and not looking too much at the ranking, but you're not too far away away from the top ten now. Is that a realistic goal this season?
3: Uh, I mean, as you said, uh, I'm not really looking at the ranking last time. I mean, I know where I am. I know that I'm 14, but last time I opened the ranking was maybe two years ago. To see how far I am from one player or how someone is behind me was like two years ago, maybe. Uh, so I'm not really looking for the ranking and I really don't want to know because I know that it's only make me stress, and I don't want to think about it, but I know this is part also of our sport so when i'm with you i cannot talk it's like it's my job to talk about it so uh, i cannot uh, lie that i'm not thinking of course i know that i'm maybe close to top 10 that maybe i have good chance if i play well to be top 10 but if i'm not gonna play well (laughs) i will be out of top 20. so we'll see but uh, yeah the main thing as i said is to focus more on me to don't look uh, at the other players to don't look at the other i don't know they don't look statistics it don't look ranking more focus on me because i know if i will improve if i do everything better that i'm doing today it means that i improve and if i'm improve if i will improve i will play better and better and that's like a simple i don't know
0: You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast.
1: Another player hitting new heights in 2020 is Brit Dan Evans, whose Dubai semi-final has taken him inside the world's top 30 for the first time. After a lengthy ban for recreational drug use, Evans is back now to his best and working again with coach Mark Hilton, formerly also with Kyle Edmund. And Hilton has been speaking with Chris Bowers.
4: It's actually my third spell with him. I, I worked with Dan as a junior um, between the years of sort of like 16 to 18. Then we then started working again at the end of 2015 through till summer 2017. Then I had my spell with Kyle which stopped just after the US Open.
5: So on to Dan Evans. Now those of us who watch tennis look at Dan and say what a gorgeous player but uh, having a beautiful game is only part of it isn't it? You actually got to put it together and to make the results what's what's your job as coach with a player like Dan
4: well I mean the job now with Dan is going to be a very different one to what I did have with him a couple of years ago we had a, a journey from challenger tennis through to top 50 and now he's starting at that point so it's a different journey now he's done an amazingly well to climb back up to where he is and the next natural step for him would be, would be to get into a position I guess where he is competing consistently and winning at the best events and um, competing in all the master Series.
5: He's a smaller guy compared to some of the guys on the circuit. Do you have to work harder on his fitness and on his general durability, his resilience, than you do with uh, other players who maybe are taller and have, mm. have a, a body that is more in tune with today's
4: top players? Well, he's, he's an amazing mover. He's, and he, You can see by watching him play how resilient he is, how good he is in defence. Um, how well he competes and now I guess it's a case of working on his strengths, making his strengths um, stronger um, so that he can impose those on at the highest level. He is a phenomenally gifted player and people talk about his style of play and how attractive it is but he has got some great weapons and there's no doubt in my mind that he can, he can be considerably um, higher and be very competitive at the biggest events.
5: Is being very gifted sometimes a bit of a curse because they don't have to work quite as hard on certain aspects of their game as other players who may have less natural talent but a
4: better work ethic? Well, I couldn't fault Dan's work ethic. Um, I think the biggest challenge is when you've got that amount of skill level that it's um, knowing when to use his his choices, decisions on the match court, when to use which shot um, because he has a, a huge repertoire and that's probably the biggest challenge for him, making sure he stays disciplined, but using those skills to his advantage to break up rhythm, to change speeds. Um, that's one of his biggest strengths.
5: For years, those on the tour who knew the name Dan Evans would associate him with uh, good forehand, nice movement, but always slicing on the backhand. Was it you that got him to really come over the backhand? Because he—he he, it is a gorgeous slice, but he does hit
4: the aggressive backhand a lot more these days. Well, I think he came to the realisation himself that, and the people he's worked with, but including myself, but also past coaches, um, Dave Felgate did a great job with him, um, that for him to probably step up to a higher level, he'd have to do that more often. Um, but again, it, for him, because he has such skill on that side, it's, it's making sure he's doing that at the right time, playing the score at the right moments, so when to when to drive, when to use his slice, when to use his variation. And again, moving forward, is that going to be a big challenge for him.
5: Those who know Dan Evans know that he's a party animal. To what extent do you, as his coach, have to give him free reign to enjoy himself at times, but also to say, right, this is work time?
4: I think it's probably been one of the biggest transformations with Dan. You know, he's gone through a lot over the years and um, the climb that he's had back into the game after his sabbatical. He's really committed to the profession. And yes, there's been past indiscretions, past... You could people label him like that, I guess, like you said, but I've seen none of that um, for 18 months now He's when he's returned to the game. And I think it's a testament to him that how quickly he's climbed up, um, not only for him, but also the, his, the people around him who supported him all the way and um, why he's got himself in a position now to to be challenging at the highest level.
5: Do you think he's realised that himself or has he had people around him? Is it get to that moment where you just say, either I knuckle down or... I waste my career or what is it that actually turns someone around because he's not the only one in that position
4: well I think we've got to give him a huge amount of credit because there have been people saying that all his career so I think it's come from him you know I think he's gone through an awful lot and he's made that choice himself he clearly loves tennis he loves competing and I say you don't you don't climb back as quickly as he has without a complete commitment to the sport so it's, it's, a, it's a massive pat on the back. But for him, he can, if he can stay healthy, he's got another four or five years doing this. And I'm sure he's excited about that and is uh, looking forward to everything ahead. Those of us
5: who watch tennis love watching players like Dan, regardless of nationality. How good can he be, either in ranking terms or if he... I mean, ranking is very much a reflection of consistency over the year. If it's not a question of ranking, what can he do in terms of individual tournaments?
4: Well, like anything, um, like all these players, they're so good. I'm sure he would go into most matches believing he can win any match. Um, But at the same token, respecting his opponent and knowing that at this highest level it comes down to very small margins and he can lose, it's it's the reality. But regarding how far he can go and what he can do in the game... I put no no limit on it, given the position he's in, given the rise he's had and given the attributes he's got. He can do exceptionally well in one-off events, but he's also shown his consistency over the last 18 months, whether it be at the lower levels to climbing back up to where he is. You know, there's a huge amount of respect out there for him. I know a lot of people really respect the way he plays. They will go on against him and and know that they're going to have a fight. That's the first thing. And... um, I would hate to say what, or wouldn't like to say, put any any boundaries on him. And finally, Mark, this is supposed to be fun, but it's always also
5: a very competitive uh, world. Do you get the fun out of coaching someone like Dan? Is there some? Do you get moments where you say, "Oh gosh, this is all worth it"?
4: Uh, he's a, he's a character, and I, and we've always got on well. Um, whether it's been on the court or off the court, we share a lot of the same um, values, a lot of the same enjoyments away from the tennis court so he's always been good company um, he's a challenge to work with but in a good way um, he challenges you every day he'll tell you exactly what he thinks which i really respect and um, i'm looking forward to the next the next journey with him the next chapter on itunes spotify tune in
0: and atptour.com this is the atp tennis radio podcast
1: Evans, one enigmatic character on tour, and Fabio Fanini is another. The Italian can usually be found on the clay courts of South America at this time of year, but as he told Richard Connolly, a new arrival
6: meant a change of schedule. It was the first option of this year because, as everybody know, I mean, we are expecting the second baby at the end of the year. So when I was planning my new season, this season, on August, September, I I talked to my manager and I say, let's see, the next year I want to stay closer to, to the family. And here we are. Because
1: this year, at this time of year, it's usually South America on the clay. So a part of your heart must be over yeah, there. You're yeah, of course. It. I mean,
6: yeah. uh, I miss it for sure because I I mean, I always play good. I have uh, uh, a lot of good memory there. I won, uh, I won in Chile, final in Buenos Aires, final in... Uh, in Rio, victory in San Paulo. So I was playing, I mean, my entire career in South America, but this year I have to say sorry for the fans over there, but family first sometimes. Sure. And you've got two kids under the age of three now. Yeah. Which I know for any parent is a tough stage. How are you coping? It's tough. I mean, uh, I am I think I'm unlucky and lucky because of course, when I'm home, I, like, I enjoy as best as I can, but, you know, when I'm away, I'm lucky because Flavia, she told me that the first one starts to be unstoppable, like uh, running everywhere, start talking, he uh, start to be jealous with the second one. So pff, it's tough work. And sleep is not always easy, which for an athlete is can be a problem. I mean, uh, we're lucky that uh, we have a nanny that is helping uh, when we are away, uh, so most of the time uh, we're still living in, in Spain and Flavia, I mean, have help uh, with her. So, I mean, it's, it's quite good. Now, the first one is sleeping perfectly. Of course, the first one, it's almost two months. So she wakes up every two, three hours to because she's crying and she want to eat. Lucky because I wake up, but I can't. But uh, I think uh, it's the best, uh, as I would say, the best uh, dream probably, probably I don't know, people when get married have in their mind. How does tennis fit into this new life and your motivation for tennis? Is, is, it, is it changing slightly? I mean it changed for sure a little bit because sometimes when I, when I travel a lot and when I travel uh, down under or in China or US I mean uh, if they are not coming like these past months uh, it's really tough believe me uh, I'm lucky because my wife she was playing tennis so she understand uh, every situation of most of the situation that could happen during the tournament during when I travel but uh, we're happy we are really happy, so let's see. Physically, are the legs and the feet <laughs> and the ankles in good shape? At the moment, uh, we are OK. I mean, uh, I just started uh, my season. I play quite good in Australia. And I have a few days off in with the family, so I'm here with a lot of energy, trying to do my best, and, and we'll see.
0: You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com Another man juggling life on tour with raising a
1: young family and doing it pretty well in Acapulco is John Isner. Paul King asked the giant American how fresh he's feeling.
7: The energy level is it's still high, but it's, it's very tough to maintain, I think. I, I will say that within this last year, I, I have start, started to feel some, some things that I haven't felt before and it just takes more time, more warm-up time, more recovery time to get myself feeling in, in tip-top shape. Of course, you know as a player that there's gonna be a time that you don't feel like you did when you were 25, and I think right now I'm, I'm, I'm started to, starting to feel that. Uh, but all in all, I'm, I'm healthy right now, and as you mentioned, I have a, my family who's actually here with me in Acapulco, so that certainly helps keep me young and, and keep me on my toes. And, I do want to play as long as I can so so my kids can watch me play and really uh, sort of, sort of uh, know what they're watching out there as well.
1: How important is this time of year for you each year? I mean, we're obviously south of the border, but generally in the North American tournaments, you do
8: tend to do well, don't you?
7: No, I, I do. Yeah, and last year was the first year I've actually ever done well in this tournament for whatever reason. I mean, the conditions are very good for me, I think, but you know, I've had, sort of had this trend. I haven't really turned on my season until really March hits. And I don't feel like I'm playing particularly well right now, so I'm sort of doing the same thing again, but I do have faith that if I just keep doing the right things and keep staying patient with myself, that, that things uh, will work out.
0: This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast.
1: We end this week with the other half
0: of Serbia's triumphant
1: ATP Cup singles lineup. The better known half, of course, was Novak Djokovic. The other half, Dusan Lajevic, whose ranking has halved since this time last year. I spoke with him recently and asked how he's managed to do it.
8: Yeah, I mean, being seed, seated in the tournaments, that's a big advantage. And. Uh... It's been a great year. Last year started off in the same, I would say, same level. Um, 23, my career high ranking, and um, I feel like uh, there's still a lot of in me to improve. And um, this makes it even more valuable that I, I feel like there is there is a lot of space to to improve in my game. And um, I hope that I can do it in the past in the past few months. I have. Um, some points to defend coming in shortly, but you always have this in the year, sometimes more, sometimes less, so I'm trying not to be very focused on this and just to do what it is that I'm doing right now and focus on the moment where I am. On paper it looks a little bit odd in a way to play the golden swing
1: between two such big blocks of hard court tennis. Why do you choose to
8: do that? How does it help your game? Well, it definitely does, and you know, flying to Australia, then back to Europe, then different continent again, all the way on the opposite side, and going North America, this is the hardest part, I think. And over the years, the older you get, it's not, it doesn't get easier. But the thing I like about this swing and obviously the weather, I like to play in um, sunny conditions. I'm trying to avoid this indoor tennis cold winter time. It kind of feels a bit depressive for me, you know and uh, there's a lot of a lot of courts here to practice if you ler- lose early in the tournament you have which is different with indoor you have maybe have one or two courts and you have to maybe go a different place and it's not the same and this is this is the block where i feel like i work on the things if tennis don't go well in the tournament i work on the things that are coming in later doesn't matter that you're going to hardcore later because really the, the, the surface in Acapulco and the Indian walls in Miami is not that fast. It, it doesn't feel like a big change. And for me, that's why I'm coming here and preparing for the upcoming season as well. If, if the results are not there, if the results are there, even better.
1: That is it for this week. Join us next time for an exclusive chat with one of the game's great entertainers on and off the court, who's off to a flyer in 2020, Gail. Remember to check out atptour.com and the new ATP Tour app for all the latest results, draws, rankings, news and videos. You can also head there or tune in to listen to four solid weeks of live ball-by-ball commentary on ATP Tennis Radio from Indian Wells and Miami in March. Not much longer to wait for those. For now though, I'm Seb Lozier and this has been the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast.
0: If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review.